0: Welcome to First Generation Burden, a series of conversations with immigrants and the children of immigrants. My name is Rich Too and I'm your host. So welcome to episode two of season two of First Generation Burden. We have a really good episode today for you comic book fans. We have Kari Randolph. He's a really amazing comic book artist and creator and he's worked on a lot of characters I know that you guys are very aware of. Like Spider-Man, X-Men, uh, Hellboy. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Boondocks, Teen Titans, like the list goes on and on. And we talk a lot about his journey, what it takes to be a comic book artist, and specifically uh, the co-creation of a character named Mosaic, which I think is very pertinent to this podcast. Um, The interesting thing about today's episode is that we are breaking format a bit, and I wanted to talk to Kari specifically about inclusion within the world of comic books, the creation of uh, characters, and the challenges of being in that industry, especially for people of color. Also, for you listeners, there is a break in the middle of the episode in the sake of full transparency, this is actually recorded over the course of two sessions. Uh, The first session, which is the first 30 minutes it was actually started a few weeks ago uh, around the time I would moved back from Oregon and Kari came over to the apartment it was very empty at the time and we had a really great conversation about his work and his upbringing and and everything that it takes to be an artist and then due to a file corruption uh, I lost basically more than half the conversation so Kari was super generous with his time and a really good sport and came back uh, to finish up the second half and by this time uh, um, this was about uh, about a week and a half ago before this recording, and uh, Charlottesville was also very much in the um, in the world. So as you're listening, uh, just remember that uh, we're, we're entering that conversation or re-entering the conversation uh, with that with that cultural context um, as we do uh, really get into the nature of representation in media and uh, it, and that's a topic I think which is uh, very dear to both of our hearts regardless of, of what's happening in the world as well. And before we jump into that, I want to throw a shout-out to our sponsor, Des Gin. Des Gin is an American modern gin with a mission to unite design with the spirit industry. design both inside and out, it merges the traditional and the unconventional. Uh, Like I said last week, I like those guys, uh, and the product is really good, and I believe in it, and it's a great-looking product as well as a great-tasting product. So uh, that's my personal vouch, and uh, shout-out to those guys. And with that said, enjoy a conversation with Kari Randolph. (laughs) <laughs> are we recording now, or are we just? Uh, yeah, we're recording. We're okay, just, like, all gonna right, right, right go into right into it. Totally. um, so dude, Kari Randolph, what up? Thanks for coming through. My pleasure, man. Yeah, and also uh, apologies for this empty room. We're literally listener in the most empty apartment ever. Our stuff has not arrived from Portland. I'm yet. saying
1: that's kind of that might be good for the acoustics, though, man. You know, I feel like we're getting some nice, nice. Uh, Reverb
0: up in here, it's good. Yeah, that's true. We can like really get up on these microphones Uh, and sit on these lawn chairs. I sound okay or uh yeah, you sound good. Yeah. You're you're modulating. You're modulating correctly. All right. (laughs) Um, So I'd love to just start, like, uh, just give us a little bit about your background, um, where you come from, where you started. This interview is a little bit different from what we've done, because I believe that you are born in America. Yes. And, like, your parents are from America.
1: 100% American.
0: Gotcha. Don't
1: know where we're from.
0: (laughs) Somewhere. Gotcha. Down the line,
1: Africa, something.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Somewhere over there. Somewhere over there. Um, But what I'm so fascinated about you and your career is, like, Specifically about representation within the comics world, right? And as well as um, how you feel about representation, like all all those things. Especially like a lot of your amazing creations. So, really, I like, think you're you're an amazing asset to this podcast and this conversation. So, I would just Thank love you. to get started. Let's know a little bit more about your background.
1: Sure. Um, well, I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, uh, grew up. Well, my neighborhood was Mattapan. It's a uh, it's, it's like the inner city of Boston. Uh, There's three kind of major hoods in Boston. There's Mattapan, Dorchester, and Roxbury. So anyone, any black person you've seen that's from Boston, you talk about New Edition, you know, guru from Gangstar, um, anyone you can think of, uh, they're probably from one of those three neighborhoods if they're from Boston. Um, I grew up and I, you know, born in 79, grew up in the 80s, 80s was crazy in Boston, the 80s and the 90s. Um, How so? what does that mean? I mean just there was a lot of crime. there was a lot of people were getting shot every day. Uh, a lot of people a lot of my friends early on, I had a crew of friends uh and they all wound up moving out of the neighborhood by like 9192 just because it was just getting too crazy um and uh so my kind of way of getting through that was really, was through comic books and, and video games and animation. It, it was kind of the thing that, that kept me, you know, I was an only child and, um, and I didn't have a lot of friends in my neighborhood cause they all moved out. So I, and the kids that moved in were all kind of like a little rougher. <laughs> like it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a strange thing because uh, in Boston, my neighborhood in the sixties was Jewish. And then in the '70s, black people moved in, and then somewhere around the '90s, a lot of black people started moving out, and uh, like West Indian kids started moving in. Um, and out of the the crime just went up and down whenever a new group would move in. Basically, like you, it, it spiked, then it went down for a while, then it was spiked again. And and yeah, and this is
0: within your time. There or like just historically speaking. Yes, yeah, still
1: it's still to this day. I know that. Um, I know in the the early aughts, crime went down, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty regularly. Hmm. And then it spiked again uh, in the last couple of years um, when it was, a, I don't know, I think maybe now it's Haitians moving in now. Oh, interesting. And so then it went right back up. It's just, I think it's just a cycle of whenever new people come in, uh, they might bring whatever they have with them. And sometimes that's for the good, and sometimes it's for the bad.
0: Did you ever uh, see that movie Freakonomics? Or did you ever read the book Freakonomics by chance?
1: Uh, I listened to the podcast Freakonomics. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a great podcast. Great
0: podcast. Um, Because in the book, they actually linked the the fall of crime in New York Mm -hmm. in the late 90s and early aughts to the advent of legal abortion. In the 70s, wow. mathematically, yeah, it was really interesting, and okay. no one, and they, uh, I think, traditionally, mm-hmm. they linked that uh, that fallen crime to the uh, the broken windows strategy of uh, Giuliani in the 90s. Oh, that was for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but then that accounted for like a, a chunk of it for sure. Yeah. But then mathematically, re- like a lot of it related to like legal abortion, which is so interesting.
1: That's really interesting. I know. I mean, when I
0: not to diverge too yeah, much. I
1: mean, this is a complete sidebar. But, like, I moved to New York in 96 when Giuliani had just kind of moved in. Gotcha. And this is for, to go to college? To go to college, Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and you could see it happening in New York as I, like, I moved in in 96. And, you know, I lived on 23rd and Lexington. And there was there was Pence. The SVA. SVA, yeah. yeah. Were those the Washington dorms? George Washington. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I was in GW, too. Yeah, it was dope. But, like, you would go to like 28th Street and park, and there would just be pimps and prostitutes up and down the line. That's amazing. You would go to 42nd Street, they were still all the Triple X theaters and everything. By like 99, all of that was gone. Wow. So, you saw a big change in New York, but also as a result, you know, the, the cop situation got real out of control. Like, because they were policing so hard that, like, you would just get locked up beaten up for anything.
0: Were you uh, ever accosted by cops out here? Yep.
1: Really? Yep. For for walking down the street. <laughs> Get the hell out of at, here. At nine PM. Yeah.
0: At nine PM. This yeah. is in college. This is like in recent history.
1: This was I wanna say this was um I know it was before 9 11 So it was gotcha. either ninety nine or two thousand. Wow. Um because I was I was visiting it's a total tangent now.
0: But, <laughs> no. Uh, no, but that's what this is about. This is all tangents.
1: <laughs> um i was visiting a girlfriend of mine who lived on 94th and 2nd avenue and i was walking down the street it was 9 p.m walking right to her apartment and plain clothes cops rolled up four dudes in like a nondescript uh car and they were just like what are you doing in this neighborhood what are you doing this late you working around here and i'm like nah i going to go see somebody they're like uh let's see your license real quick yeah you know and i'm like okay fine so i go to reach my back pocket
0: oh man And they're like whoa 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 and
1: they go to go for their guns and i'm yeah. like yo you you asked exactly. like I'm, I'm just doing what you said to do so then they hop out the car and they say yeah we're gonna search you real quick and i'm like at this point like maybe well, where
0: do cops think a person's gonna pull a license out of
1: i'm saying
0: <laughs> like where do they think I, sh- like underneath your hat like what the hell i
1: you want to talk about fear this is like the scared most scared i've ever been in my life sure because like i remember this was the era of like abner Louima, right and the dude who like you know dudes were getting you know you know Broomsticks up their butts from the cops Totally. Like just I remember shot that. shot in vestibules and I was just like, This is exactly how it happens. Right. Like this is straight up how it happens. So, you know, they pulled me up against the car, they patted me down, put me on the hot ass hood, you know, and finally they were like, All right, you seem like you're you're straight. You should get out of here. Um, they're like, Yeah, we were looking for a dude who who looked just like you, who was doing robberies, and they're like, um, do you know him? And I'm you like, know oh. him? <laughs> yeah, cause I, I you hang out with like everyone you. who looks just like me. That's, that's exactly <laughs> how I roll. You know, I'm like, nah, I, I, I do not know him, sir. I am, I am in college and wow. I'm just trying to go see my girlfriend real quick. It's not that serious. And, um, and really, it was like one of those moments when you're just like, yo, it doesn't matter if you've gotten out of, you know a bad neighborhood or if you're in college like to some people you're only going to be like your skin color right um cuz you know i i think i think sometimes i had a thought that like well if you get to this point you know you get a college degree you do this and that people will finally accept you for just who you are and like some people will but some people are always going to see just the surface level um and I actually think it was kind of a good... It was a good... It wasn't a good thing, but it was a good, like, life lesson for me. Right, right. You know? Um. But anyways, so...
0: Sometimes it has to happen at a certain point. Yeah. So that you're uh, an awareness in you happens. And I feel like that
1: probably... Hap- on some level, that probably happens to all minorities or women or anyone who's a little bit different. Sometimes you need that wake-up call, like, yo, you know shit's kind of real out here i'm sorry can we curse or is yeah Oh, no, dude right. do what you all want right. i think we have a mature rating on itunes all right um shit's real out here don't ever forget that you know things can be taken away from you if if you if you don't understand kind of the way the rules are yeah i mean i always go against that shit I right. Always try to do better. I was always told sometimes you're gonna have to work twice as hard as anybody else right. to kind of be put on the same pedestal as them. But also, don't get caught sleeping. Yeah, you know,
0: because definitely,
1: it's just real. You
0: know? Um, to scale it back just like right, a little right, bit. Yeah. No, but I. But this is amazing, and I love like being in this place. Um, and I definitely want to get back to this place. Sure, sure. Um. Before uh, before SVA, can you just tell us a little bit about like where you were uh, mentally, creatively, uh, right before you moved to New York? Okay. And the, yeah, and the, what led to that transition? Also, like you know, uh, you were a comics kid, so I right. would love to know what you were reading at the time too.
1: Right. I, <clears throat> I was an only child. Um, I didn't have any brothers or sisters, and I was in like I said, I was in a neighborhood that was rough. So I spent a lot of time kind of by myself and in my own head. Mm-hmm. So that lends that lended to kind of my creativity being sparked, I think, cause I was always reading comic books or watching movies or films or video games or whatever, and just creating my own stories as a result. Cause I had a lot of free time. Um, and that lent that started me, you know, I was like, well, I could. I love Ninja Turtles. Right. That was one of my favorite things. So I was like, let me just start creating my own characters that are similar to Ninja Turtles. Um, and it it kind of just went from there,
0: right? And then um, this is like literally early '90s Ninja Turtles, like CBS in the yeah, morning. Gotcha, all that, all yeah, that. totally.
1: I was like obsessed with Ninja Turtles and Transformers and GI Joe and all that right. '80s '90s shit that we all grew up on. Totally, that was just that was my element. Um, and I was always that kid, you know. I was I was very um, I wasn't antisocial, right? But I I think I definitely was introverted. So, like, I had a core group of friends, but I wasn't Mister. I wasn't super popular. I wasn't super into all the stuff everyone else was into. I was always in the back of the class, uh, generally just drawing on desks and stuff like that. Really, that was what I did, you know. Um, and like, if I, if I would have a, there was one time I had like a French assignment, and I was like. Man, I don't want to do this shit, man. I really don't <laughs> give a fuck. Is this high school? Yeah, this is high school now, and I was just like, you know what? Instead of spending, it was a French project, and I was supposed to have been working on it for weeks, and I completely blew it off. And I was like, you know what? Instead of all that, let me just draw a comic book about the project. <laughs> and I was like, this is some bullshit, and they're not—they're not gonna go for it. Right. But I'm just gonna—I'm just gonna try it and see what happens. And I handed it in. And the teacher, like, she could tell she was just like this. <laughs> she's like, "It's well drawn, and I'm gonna give you like a B plus." This comic isn't you... even
0: in French. Yeah,
1: but it was in French though. It was not French. Oh, whoa! Well, it was. You know what? Damn. It wasn't good French. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was not like if it wasn't French. It was, you know, I got it done. <laughs> but she's like you because you have balls. I don't know if she was that exact term but sure. she was like because you you know you were creative enough to do this and no one else would do this I'm gonna give you a B plus but don't ever pull this shit again and I was like that's amazing bet bet <laughs> <laughs> you know but that was just the way I was and and eventually um of my 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 art teacher she said to me she was like well what are you gonna do you know in the future um about you know school and everything, and I was like, I don't really know. I don't, maybe I don't really know. I just want to go to college and have a good time. And she was like, Well, maybe you should think about going to art school. And I really kind of just blew it off at first because I was like, I didn't think there was really a future in being an artist. I was mm-hmm. like, I was always told, you know, you're gonna be a broke artist. That's not really a thing. Sure. um sure. So I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I thought maybe I could incorporate art in some way just not knowing how right um so that led to me going on a black college tour um, what's a black
0: college tour like howard basically that you, oh you, you get on
1: you get on a bus with a bunch of other black kids and they take you up and down the east coast you go to howard you go to hampton you go to morehouse Morehouse. Clark atlanta um a bunch of black schools just try them out and see what you think
0: about them. Did you want to do that? Did you want to go to a predominantly black school?
1: I did. I did. Um, I thought it would have been good for me, you know? Um, and while I was, two things happened on that trip. It was a great trip, but I realized a lot of those schools, and this is no disrespect to any of them, but um, the the focus of a lot of those schools is mainly like business, It's like being, you know, doctors, lawyers, businessmen, like those types of jobs. Gosh,
0: like professional, professional quote unquote. unquote. That's what
1: they're trying to cultivate. Sure. Um, In the art programs, at least I don't know how they are now, but at the time, the art programs themselves weren't that great. Right. Um, The other thing that happened was there was another kid on the tour. His name was Wes. He's actually like my best friend to this day. Dope. Um, and he was another kid who was, he was the other kid who drew on the tour. And one day I saw him drawing and I was like, yo, what is that, man? What are you drawing? And he was like, man, man, I'm, I'm into comic books, man. You know, I, I want to be a comic book artist. And I was like.
0: Well, oh, no. Is this one of those things where someone else's dream became your dream? Well, it was just like, it was like that twinkle in each other's eyes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's totally. Like it's,
1: it's like, it was like, like that light bulb went off in your head and it's like, what? <laughs> you want to? You wanted you wanna like because you know what you don't think that that's a real profession, like at least I didn't. I sure. was like, that's not some shit that black people do I'm like that's not that's not a thing um but once I saw him so determined to kind of like do art for a living, we became like real good friends, and as we were both talking about things, we were like, yo, uh, maybe we should just link up and and like find an art school." And go together. Um, and so we both kind of went Wait, back. What's his name? Wesley. Wesley Gunn, that's his name. He gotcha. actually he Wesley works Gunn. he's a nowadays he works uh, he does like like web apps and 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 design work. He works for Nickelodeon and a bunch of other people. Oh,
0: so cool. He's All dope. Right. He's nice. real good.
1: Um and uh so we formulated a plan. We said, let's apply to a bunch of art schools together, let's uh let's tell our parents because we know the parents ain't going to be this happy about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, We went to them. They were not happy about it, especially when we were like, yo, how about New York? And the parents was like, nah, New York's crazy. Why don't you stay in state? Blah, 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 hmm. blah. Um, But we convinced them um, and we wound up at SVA. And that was really, that was that, that was, that was, you know, and I, at that point, I was like, "All right, I want to do comic books for a living."
0: Can I ask you, like, did you always think sequentially, for uh, from a uh, from a artistic perspective? Because I feel like the comic book mindset. Because I had those dreams too, mm-hmm. for sure. But then my world ended up going to more of a traditional editorial illustration route, which I think is much more of a different mindset. Because sequentially, like, I can't it's hard for me to lock into that level of storytelling right. or that type of storytelling. And I just don't have that type of narrative flow naturally. I really have to work for it. Yeah. But was that something that you always had? I, I think
1: once I decided that I wanted to be an artist for a living, yeah. I knew I wanted to tell stories for sure. Um, and then there was a there was a half a second when I thought maybe I should do animation. But then I realized- Your work what, really lends itself to that. It, it does, um, but also- I, and I've worked in animation before too, but animation is a different kind of beast. Like it's, at least the animation I was looking at, like 2D animation is, I was like, that is, I don't think I have the patience for that. Totally. Like the idea of drawing one frame and then another frame in the, in the, like an arm is moving. Right. And like 30 frames, you might get like, not even a second of animation. Like I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't have the patience, and the I can't do that,
0: dude. I was uh, I worked on this crazy animation project. It was like seven minutes of animation mm-hmm. where it was just two colors, and then we were locked up. Like it was eight of us locked up in a basement drawing for like two weeks, and it, I wanted to die yeah. every day.
1: And I mean, I <laughs> every I, day I was just like, "Yo, fuck this shit, for man." For real, like all respect to animators. Absolutely, hundred ten
0: percent respect.
1: Just, just the idea of, of like staying on model for for a character and drawing the same character over and over and over, I've done it. It's hard, man. Yeah. Like in comics, at least you can um, you can get away with a lot as long as the character generally looks the same from panel to panel. You don't have to be super on model as right. long as you're within the the ballpark. Right, that's all that really matters. Um, and because you can see it, there's a lot of comic book artists who actually would have a lot of problems staying on model um, because it's a lot more technical when it comes to doing animation. It's a lot more technical. Um, But yeah, I I realized quick that I was like, yeah, comics is the way I want to go. I want to be a comic book penciler. And once I made that decision, it was like, there's nothing else. It's, It's all going towards that goal. Me, considering I'm like damn near 40, (laughs) <laughs> but like at the same time, like uh I guess in some ways I have to be like this is not all the guys that are doing shit in the industry are generally in their late thirties and forties anyways. So compared right. to them right I do I am a little more in touch with like at least what with, with what is kinda cool. Which is funny considering when I was in high school I was, like, the least cool motherfucker. Oh, you, you might
0: have to actually pick it up because I, I okay. need some more volume. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, like, I was
1: not... I was not the cool dude at all <laughs> in my high school.
0: Don't you think that there is uh, something to be said for not peaking too early, though?
1: Oh, um, it's worked out well in my <laughs> Like Me too. Yo, for real, like, going to my... I mean, you are about the same age, right? Or- yeah,
0: I was born in 81. What about you? Okay, so I'm, a, I'm, like,
1: two years older than you. Got it. I just had... My 20th uh, high school anniversary.
0: That's weird. Yeah, it's fucking weird. Also, you don't look that old.
1: Well... You look like you could be like 25 uh that's 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 the black don't crack thing (laughs) (laughs) that or maybe the fact that i don't have kids i don't know well then there you go um but i don't have kids either so i mean that's why you look pretty fucking young (laughs) also i'm asian so so (laughs) and and, yeah i don't know if there's a there's a witty thing for asian people uh uh, uh,
0: no but we could hopefully by the end of this we'll figure something out we'll
1: figure something out but um the like yeah going to my high school reunion like, everyone knew who the fuck I was. Like, oh, I'm
0: sorry, can I swear on this thing? Yeah, totally, yeah. All right. Everyone, oh, wait, wait, before we get into that, uh, yeah. so I will have had an intro that I haven't done yet by this point, but we did have a break. And uh, this has never happened before where the first 20, 30 minutes of this interview were done. And then, uh, due to a file corruption, the convo was too high. Exactly. And the computer, <laughs> yeah, you know totally. What I'm basically so we're we're picking this up essentially like almost a month later um and not in my apartment anymore but at um at an office so uh if the sound quality has changed slightly um that's a thing but also the uh the climate of the world has changed very much as well, which I think we would definitely like to address uh, as well. But uh, thanks, Kari, for coming through again. For sure. For sure. Super question. Also, I know that you've also uh, gone through San Diego and also Boston cons, and I would love to just like get a little bit of that info too. But go on. Um, I just want to get that out of the way. Yeah. So, so
1: reunion. Reunion. Yeah. It was. It was an interesting thing because, uh, because of social media like people who were not cool with me or not, not that they, there wasn't beef necessarily, but sure. people who didn't really know who I was or sure. I wasn't really cool with all of a sudden they all know what I'm up to nowadays. So they see me posting stuff on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everyone was so nice to me now. Oh <laughs> and, really? And, Do you and think that's
0: adulthood too. Mm,
1: I think it's adulthood in the sense that like, I think your priorities change about stuff and I feel like it's weird. The 10 year anniversary everyone's figuring out who the hell they are as adults and they're they're on their they're on their way. Right. The 20th is different cuz the 20th is like you are. you've been married. Some people are starting to get divorced and shit. People got their kids and they're all settled and sometimes people they're a little like they realize like, oh wait, I didn't exactly do what I wanted to do but I'm kind of stuck at where I'm at because now I'm I'm deep, I'm 20 years in now and they see people like me and this is not bragging or anything but No, like, I think it's completely valid. It's it's like, I do exactly what I want to do. Uh, you know, like there was very little compromise in my life like and because I, I never got married, I never had kids, it's, I've lived a very selfish lifestyle to a certain degree, but as a result, I do exactly what the fuck I wanna do. And people respect that. Like, or they they at least say from the outside, they say, wow, it's crazy that we remember you being that guy who was sitting in the back of the class you know, drawing on desks. And now you literally do that and get paid for
0: it now. Right. Do you think though, that like looking back, hindsight 2020, don't you feel that there was a path that you consciously took that, that you feel that if someone else had the same drive, talent and skill, and some things can't be taught when some things are just like ingrained in you. Right. But if someone, you know, I think, um, uh, what, what is the phrase? Uh, uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard.
1: Oh, that's absolutely
0: true. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing of
1: what I can say is that I, from about age 16 on, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I don't think a lot of people are that lucky. Most people go to college and they're saying, oh, maybe we have a general idea. Maybe we have no idea. We'll do general studies, this and that. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I picked the school that was perfect for what I wanted to do. I moved to New York to do exactly that thing. And so it was always in service of a greater goal. And I've been very single minded about that. So I think I've been blessed with the fact that, yeah, everything I've done was to
0: get to this point, right. and it happened. Right. Um, what, do you have any other anecdotes of like uh, specifics of your class? Like, was there any other notable? Out of curiosity, because I've never attended a high school reunion, so I'm um, I'm curious about you know what the <laughs> I mean. Look, what, what would be typical to find? There are there are definitely some things that happened
1: that I cannot mention <laughs> because. What happens at these things is that like people see people that they haven't seen for 10, 20 years who they may have had a thing for back then. And all of a sudden they are drunk as hell. Possibly their spouses or loved ones are not there. Right. And it goes down. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. I did not engage in a lot of that. It's it's more fun to me to kind of just watch the shit show happen. Sure. But like a high school reunion is a shit show. Yeah. It's, and you would just see people like. It was just, this in Boston too? This is in Boston. Oh, at the same yeah.
0: time as the uh, Boston Con? No, this was actually.
1: Um, this was November. Oh, okay. This oh, was, okay. Okay. They okay. do it like, you know, around Thanksgiving where they know people might be in town. Got it. And Got so it. Uh, they. they Yeah. It had nothing to do with school. It was the, the students themselves who set it up. And uh, it was a good turnout. But like, you definitely see like people like. Uh they act out the shit they wouldn't normally do because they're like who knows? It's like going to Vegas almost. You're like, right. you know, oh I haven't seen you in so long. Remember that time we did that one thing, blah, blah, blah. Uh what you doing tonight? <laughs> like it it got it got a little crazy.
0: Do you have any desire to maintain friendships post the reunion? Um
1: or was it more like, eh, I mean the, thing. the people that I'm cool with, I was already cool with. Right. Uh so there was no. Every, I had a really good time, but the people that I'm down with now are people that I was down with before, and people I'll still continue to be down with. I didn't meet anyone who I'm like, oh yeah, we totally need to hang out now. It right. was just like, I still hung out with the people I was still cool with.
0: Right, right. Um, huh? Yeah. I, you know what? When I when I hit when I attend my first reunion, if that ever happens, because I guess the twenty is coming up I mean, for me. Coming up for you, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's back in New Jersey, so I guess I could go. Also, I went to an all-boys school, so I don't really I mean, really... That's, yeah. That's... And also all those dudes that I was friends with at the time, I'm still friends with that I really do care about. Right. So I think I mean, I think that's what it is. Like there's there was a
1: core group of like 4 or 5 people right. who I was just like, well, we're always going to be cool. Everyone else can go kind of fuck themselves. <laughs> and and it's still that way. Like right. people were I think people were a lot nicer at this one there was sure. still a little bit of a front put on at the 10 year sure. people were like they really wanted to, you to see look i'm doing so well now blah 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 right. the 20th one is like yo this is the real deal here's right. what it is i'm on my second wife uh right. you know or my man you know homeboy one dude went to the army like straight right. up came back home right. had ptsd like it's it's a little realer because yeah. everyone's just like you're you're much more comfortable in your skin as an adult, right. and so it's a little more honest. People have
0: come back with real experiences. You've lived
1: actual life at this point. With right. The ten year, you're only like twenty eight, yeah. maybe you're not even thirty yet. Yeah, you haven't lived any real life. Right. You're you're still trying to figure it out.
0: Do you have Do you have this uh, career thought that uh, you're in the flow, or you have? Yeah, you're in the middle of it or you're in the beginning. Sometimes I feel that because um, I love newness in my life and I love right. newness in my career and right. novelty that some I like to feel like I'm in something new all the time. So I like to always feel like I'm kind of at the beginning. Right. You know, do, do you have a sense of where you are in terms of an overall life career timeline?
1: I feel like... Um, all right. So I... It's funny, man. Like, um, I realized recently... Last week, I was talking to a bunch of kids at the Boys and Girls Club.
0: Right. right. Oh, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. It's cool. Yeah.
1: Um, it was for this whole, like, TV. It was a news thing. I was on the news in Boston, all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I'm talking to the kids, you know, and I, and I hear myself say that I've been working for 17 years, like, professionally. 17 years. And I'm like, I've been working longer than most of you guys have been alive. Which is, it's like, you are like, oh, shit. Right. I'm old as fuck. Right. But I don't feel that way. Right. I kind of feel like I'm at that point in my career when I finally know what I'm doing. Like I I feel very confident in my ability. Like I'm, you know, you're always trying to get better. Right. But I I think I've gotten to that point where, you know, they say how you need like 10,000 hours to to feel like you're an actual professional or a master at what you do. I wouldn't call myself a master, but I definitely feel like I'm a professional at this point. Sure. It's like sometimes, you know, when I, I'll talk to younger kids and they'll be like, yo, when do you feel like you, you are officially an, a professional? And up until this point, I never had a good answer for that because hmm. I always felt like I'm pro- technically a professional because they pay me and I do jobs, but I still didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. Right. I was just kind of floating from job to job and somehow I made it work. Now I actually feel like I feel as though if I wanted to teach a class and what I do, I could probably do it. Right. Which seems like that's pretty much the point when, yeah, I'm a professional, Yeah. you know? Uh. So I'm comfortable in that. Um. But I still feel like, I don't know. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the funny part. I'm like, yeah, I get the jobs and I don't hurt for work and, and I'm, I can guarantee you any client that if you give me a job i'm gonna i'm gonna hook it up
0: got it um can we talk a little bit about those early jobs right out of college because that's kind of where our conversation last cut off sure yeah so i'd love to just know like those early early gigs and also i know that you were um based on our, our lost conversation lost into time um yeah that- this is
1: good by the way because I don't remember what the hell we talked about. So now that we have a couple of weeks, it it all feels fresh to me. Yeah.
0: Dope, dope. Uh, We talked about how, how you had a a experience uh, in, in animation as well as like, you had a really interesting story about breaking through into comics, uh, through Spider-Man. Right. And I'd love to talk about like those early days and like how you got that first comics job.
1: Right. Okay. Well, um, so I graduated in 2000 from the school of visual arts. Um, and you know, comics was the goal, straight up. Uh, so I was doing everything I could to break into comics. But uh, as I graduated, um, well, two things happened. One, comics didn't want me. I wasn't good enough. Uh, but um, I found that there was still plenty of work as an artist. This was like 99, 2000. So the web was just Hopping at the time, right. like there was lots of web jobs out there. So I I found work very. I had a job waiting for me out the out the door, full time, benefits, all that shit. Um, doing like web design and web animation stuff that I didn't know anything about. But they were all like, "Yo, you got talent. We'll teach you all the programs." So that was the stuff that taught me Photoshop, Illustrator, Flash animation, um, all that stuff. Uh, uh eventually. Come around 2003, I started getting close with other artists in the comic book industry. Just becoming friends with people, and was uh, this
0: as as a fan essentially?
1: I mean, I was still trying to break in, right? Um, but uh, so yes, I was still technically a fan. I was I was posting my stuff online. Trying to get critiques, trying to get feedback, and get better. And, and there was a big community on like message boards and stuff.
0: Got it. What message boards? Out of curiosity. And
1: there, there was a bunch. There was, used to be
0: on uh, Jinx World.
1: I remember that was Brian Bendis's. Yeah, Jinx
0: World used to be on a lot. Yeah,
1: there was um top top cow had a message board. Oh, yeah, they did. Um, there was this one. I think it was just called the Drawing Board Got that it. was hosted by a dude named Shane Glines who who, you know, worked with Bruce Tim and all, all that other stuff. Got it. Warner Brothers Animation.
0: Pre-Deviant Art too. Pre-Deviant
1: probably. Art. This is all pre-Deviant Art. Um, there was one called Pencil Jack. That was all just comic book artists, uh, digital webbing, um, places like that. And I wound up meeting a bunch of artists who were all around the same age. And we all had similar interests. Like we were all into hip hop. We all had m- more cartoony styles than, than the norm. And so we were a little bit of a an, an anomaly. But we all pushed each other to try to break in. So this is guys like me, this is Scotty Young, uh Lashawn Thomas, um, Sanford Green, all all dudes who generally either were, were minorities or they were, you know, into the same kind of funky stuff we were
0: into. Right. Like minded. Like minded, yeah.
1: And so Scotty Young was my homeboy. And he was on a book called uh, Spider Clan, which was Marvel's version. It was like a uh, manga, Japanese influence kind of uh, Spider Man.
0: Right. It was like an event across a lot of the main titles right. at the time, right?
1: Right. Yeah, they they did a whole manga verse thing where they made the Marvel characters kind of look like they were Japanese anime right. characters. I remember
0: the War Machine iteration of that was really interesting. They it did, like
1: did a couple. Some of it was cool. Some of it was kind of whack. Totally. You know? as was
0: um, many things yeah exactly
1: and and it also it was funny to both me and scotty because scotty's style is actually not manga influence at all i would say at the time it was more graffiti influence oh interesting but you it know feels more
0: animation to me it, yeah. more
1: animation like liquid right um but to 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 people that don't know much about animation culture they were, whatever it's it's there's lots of bold lines, and there's not a lot of cross-action. It's close enough. Right, right, right. So anyway, Scotty was on that book, and the last issue, he could not draw because Marvel asked him to jump onto another book. So Scotty reached out to me, and he called me, and he said, listen, man, um, look, I got a bounce on this book. I want you to take it over and, and finish it out. Uh, our styles are similar enough to where it won't be that much for reach, and my editor has already approved you. You want it. Um, and, and I actually, that's a hell of an offer to come out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like now keep in mind up to this point, this has been my dream. And he just, one day calls me at the blue and he's like, yo, you want this? And, and I said, no, want to draw
0: Spider-Man bro. Yeah.
1: I was like, what are you crazy? I was like, dog, I got a full time job. I got, I have a nine to five, five days a week. I don't have time to do this. And, and he's like, listen, man, you know, we can make this work, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, I, I, I don't think I can do it, man. And I hung up on him. And I'm sitting there and and my roommate's like, Wes is like, yo, what was that? And I tell him, and he just looked at me like I was the biggest idiot alive. He's like, yo, what's, what's wrong with you, man? Like, <laughs> like do, do you realize the phone call you just had? Someone just called you and said, we want to offer you a gig at Marvel Comics. This isn't some like little indie comic right. book thing. This is Marvel Comics, a job that you were literally perfect for. And you say you can't do it because right. you don't have the time. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll make the time. Just say yes. And I thought about it for a second and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. So I called Scotty back. And Scotty, of course, was like, yeah, I knew you'd call back, <laughs> idiot. What's wrong with you? And so like, I what called, was the plan B? Who knows? Yeah, this. Come on, don't be an idiot. You know. Exactly. So, so I, I called him. I said yes, and then I called uh, my job, and I was just like, I talked to my art director, and I was like, listen, man, here's a deal. Um, I need to take some time off. I got to draw a comic book. Not thinking he's gonna go for it. And my art director at the time, he was just like, Yeah, all right, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. and clearly this is what you want to do. Right. So we'll figure it out. Go ahead. And that was it. And, you know, I didn't sleep for like a month. Right. But I got the job done and that opened up every other job I've ever had.
0: How confident did you feel in your process at the time? Like, how long did you, do you think it took you to do a page back then?
1: I was not confident at all. because. Also, were you, were you
0: working digitally or?
1: No, I wasn't working digitally. I was working. Um, I was still working by hand. Gotcha. But um, I was not confident because up to that point, I don't think I had, you know, the uh, a comic book is generally 20 to 22 pages long. I had never drawn more than like an eight page story in my entire life up to that point. Sure. And now they were telling me to draw 22 pages in like four weeks. So no, there was no confidence. I was, that's why I said, no, I was shitting bricks. Like I had, I didn't, I was, it's like being thrown into the deep end of the pool. You right. just got to figure it out and that was really just it i figured it out
0: yeah uh what happened after that like what was the reception to that and then how did you pivot into more jobs like or is that something is something like that so high profile that you're able to just get work
1: um i think um, what what happened really was uh, i finished it out uh not knowing what to what was going to happen next and that i got it done on time and I feel like I did a reasonably good job on it, um, all things considered. And the editor immediately offered me another book, like kind of like maybe two or three weeks later. So I did that, and then um, I'm I'm the the timeline's a little bit funny, but I remember then Marvel offered, so they offered me another Spider Man book, and I did a fill in on that, and then I did a three issue stint on New Mutants. Right after that, with the, they, I remember they told me they said, "Listen, this book's really far behind, and it's gonna get canceled anyways. We uh-huh. just want you to finish it out, get it in on schedule and on time. And when we relaunch the book, we will give you the new version of the book." So I did it, got it in on time. Damn near killed myself because it was like, you know, like it was like a three week turnaround on on the book. And then there was a whole thing where they had me kill a gay character huh. on the book. And I was like, all right, I'm What gonna... character was it? It was this character, he was in a mutant called Anoli. No. Uh little he looks kinda like a lizard. And he was a gay character. Was this
0: before I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of the era?
1: This was like two thousand and three, two thousand and four.
0: Weren't they in like in a road trip kind of state at that time? I think Cannonball was also leader of the team. Again. That
1: was New Warriors. This is okay. new mutants. New mutants eventually turned into new X-Men. Um and so we introduced a lot of new characters in, in that script. And so they 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 had this whole storyline where this kid this was the craziest shit too. Like they they introduced the kid. He came out as gay and his parents did not accept him as gay and he kills himself. And I was like, yo, that's heavy. Yeah. And so I drew the shit out of it. Like, I really was like, I'm gonna hit him so hard with this thing. I'm gonna have people crying and and like people really gonna feel this issue. I'm gonna win some awards for this thing. Right. I drew it, I drew the hell out of it. It got inked, it got colored. It made all the way to where they were about to print it, and then Marvel was like, Hey, I'll check this out. You got to redraw like half this issue. We can't print this. This is too much. This is an all ages book, and the uh, advertisers are gonna flip. if, if Well, put this out. And I don't think I've ever told this story before.
0: That's crazy. And this is the last issue. This
1: is one of the last issues. One of the last, yeah. Issues. It was like I did issues nine, 11, and 12. Wow.
0: Who's a writer on that book at the time?
1: Um, they were it was a couple, it was uh, no. N- Nunzio Felipe and Christina Ware. I think that was the gotcha. name. They, they they, were a husband and wife couple. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, And and they cut the entire thing. So That's I had to crazy. redraw half of the issue in like a week.
0: Oh a week my and God.
1: A half. And I had to cut that whole thing out. They just acted like it didn't happen. Wow. And I was just like, so in the redraw... The redraw sucked because, <laughs> yeah. you know, at that point, I was completely burnt out. Have
0: you ever released those pages? Um,
1: you know, I don't think I have. Yeah. I, I I feel like it's a story I haven't really told because I didn't want to piss off Marvel. But I feel like at this point, this was like over 10 years ago. So,
0: sure. Whatever. It's more anecdotal to, yeah. to the generation, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's... It was a good lesson for me.
0: I think this is more educational than anything. Also, this podcast is educational. And kids need to hear this shit. Yeah.
1: I mean, it was like, I thought it was very forward, but I think at the time, I think it was too forward for them. Got it. They were still trying to figure out who they were as a company. I don't think Disney had bought them yet. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, it just... Um. And they, in some ways they were right, like that is an all-ages book and like all the advertisers would have pulled out instantly because that was too heavy a concept. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it might have been too heavy concept for an all-ages teens book.
0: Totally. No, I agree. It's it's funny because we are talking about like um, the commercial art at a certain point. And also, I mean, considering where we are right now, <laughs> you know. There is always a conversation between uh, corporate interests as well as personal artistry and um, everything in between uh, that relates to the financials of the project itself. So it's a convergence of a lot of forces, and a lot of kids don't really understand those things. And I see so many kids walk into a situation of an intern level or like a fresh grad situation, I'm sure you have too, where they just come in like really hot. And mm-hmm. they are like, "Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to attack this, um, not unlike your story. I'm going to attack this in a certain way that's like, uh, with authority and with authorship and blah blah." And I was like, "That energy is great." Yeah. But then also just remember to walk in and know that your heart could get broken at any moment. It's still corporate, man. It's still corporate. It's,
1: it's, it's even though you're still creating artwork, don't get it twisted. Like this is not your art. Sure. At the end of the day, someone else can easily pull the plug on it if they feel like it doesn't fit their corporate mind state.
0: Sure. And even some of those characters. I mean, your character was like very newish, but even some of those characters, like they have legacies that go back way, way beyond. Yep. So it's like, who are you to 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 have an overbearing on the on the direction of a character that may have decades on your own life?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. It was it it was one of those moments when you. You know, as an artist, I saw it, I was like, yo, this could change my career. <laughs> and then in like, so like moments that like that. Snatched away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, snatched uh, away your dreams and snatched yeah, away your man. sleep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that too, because man, I was like, I got like the flu and shit. Like right. I got so sick trying to make those deadlines. Wow. And then I got it all done and they still didn't give it to me. Get the hell out of here! He gave it to another artist who didn't want the book, anyways. Wow! And and gave it up after like three issues because he thought it was too boring. Wow! So quite quite a learning lesson for me, for sure. Um,
0: for sure. What but what other books did you transition to at the time after that one? Oh uh,
1: man! After that, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I
0: just want to get a sense of like the years afterwards. This was
1: like at this point, this is like 03, 04. and that experience honestly kind of burned me for a little bit because I was just like yo I just killed myself for that project and I have nothing to show for it like and then I didn't get a call back for months um and there was there was rumors that certain editors were just like yeah we saw some of those pages Kari did they looked really sloppy and rushed and I'm like the new pages yeah and I'm like yeah they did yeah because I drew them in like a week but like after killing myself to get the first issue. Out. Right. But you know how editors talk that can, that can make or break your career. Absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't get a phone call again from Marvel from, for so long that I had to be like, well, I gotta start looking for something else. Right. And eventually I think I, as a not, I think I fell into, into animation. Right. Cause uh, there was, I was doing licensing artwork at the time for four kids and they were doing like Yu Gi Oh and Ninja Turtles and stuff, and they were throwing tons of work at me. Right, right. And it was like, well, this is a this is not only is a a better paycheck, it's steady paycheck for less work. Right. Um, and so I I fell into doing animation and licensing for the next like four or five years because comics really wasn't turning up for me like
0: that. Right. Um, and, and how how did you like that life? Like, did you feel? What, what what fulfillment did you get from that life, and then what made you want to to come back?
1: It was um, the once again the money was very good, and I was well taken care of monetarily. But uh, me being this this stubborn, driven person, I am in the back of my mind, I was still like seeing all these dudes who I kind of came up with. I got a nice cushy job over here. I'm seeing all my boys, like their names in big letters, doing this and that in comics, and I'm sitting here, like I'm sitting in this fucking cubicle, drawing Ninja Turtles. I want to draw comics, man. And, like it was eating away at like my soul. <laughs> you know really? what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's it's, and you like it's like yes, I'm good, but I don't feel fulfilled because I came, I moved myself that hundreds and thousands of miles away for a reason. And now I'm not doing that. Right. Um, and it really was until, and I, I threatened to quit in my head over and over. I was like, you know, I was still going to conventions and stuff, right. still hanging out with people. And I was just like, I, I'm going to eventually wind up back in comics. It's, it's just, it's, it's like inevitable. Right. So, and eventually, uh, the company I was at, they laid off all the artists and they had cutbacks. This is for kids. This is for kids. Right. They once we finished out Ninja Turtles. Um, oh oh
0: have, oh! Um, I'm trying to remember what's happening in the show. Like they had just done a season in the future. They did one season in the future. And then They come back to New and York. And They
1: came back to the show on, and it was called Back to the Sewers. Gotcha. And then they did one more, like straight to DVD release, where they took our turtles. And right the turtles forever 80s turtles yeah i remember and like the 1984 black and white turtles and put them all in one did you work on that project i, I actually like that project a lot yeah i worked i, I did I, a lot of work on that i remember
0: when i was um i was at my boy's wedding at the time um speaking of friends that like you know settle down like you know at a certain point like that was like the last of that generation of my friends from back in New Jersey that mm-hmm. had gotten, mar- gotten married yep. so that we were all in the hotel room. And then I remember we turned on TV and it was like, yo, Ninja Turtles. Yep. Holy shit. Like what the fuck is happening out here? Because we, we weren't, you know, keeping up regularly with four kids. Right. And then like we were just like there. Well, we were literally putting our tuxedos on. We just like sat there and watched it for two hours.
1: Yeah, that, that whole – because at the time I was working – on that last season of turtles and i was working on this other show called chaotic right it was like a, a kind of card game right
0: with like a little bit of like a collectibility angle you could get toys yeah. and stuff yeah, i remember yeah
1: um and so there was a lot of overlap there so between chaotic that last season of turtles and the the straight to dvd movie it was all like one big blur and then as soon as we finished the, like the last like frame or whatever they were like i right, guess what um we, we cut in the entire department. So we were all out in the street like Damn. a month later. Damn. Um and I was just like, All right, uh I guess it's time to do comics. <laughs> like, right. you know, this right. is this is like the universe telling me like, yo, go
0: in. Right. Did your sequential chops feel like they'd suffered over time or did no. you pick it up easy?
1: No. Um, because I, I still was doing some comic book stuff just on the side. Got so it. at the time, like, you know, I'd have my, my nine to five day job. And then I did a couple issues of um, Spawn for, for Todd McFarlane and them. Like uh, they, they they did like a more animated style version of Spawn. Oh, interesting. And so I I did some design work for the toys and did some web comics to go with that.
0: Oh, wow. How's it like working with that organization? It's amazing, man. Yeah.
1: It's like, you know, that's like working for, you know, when I was 13 and reading Tom McFarlane comic books yeah, and then all of a sudden you get a call from Tom McFarlane and he wants right. to shoot the shit and talking to you like you're a peer, right. like it's, it's like, that's, that's the kind of shit you live for.
0: Right.
1: Um, that's why, you know, that's one of those things that about comics that as much as it's a tough industry, like certain moments like that, like really make you stay with it. Right. You know? Cause like, uh, like even, even, Last week, you know, I'm I'm sitting at the bar after the, at the Boston show, and I'm hanging out with this dude named named Dan Fraga.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Dan uh, Fraga was yeah, he
0: was a uh, part of uh, Extreme, Studios Extreme Studios back was. in the day. Yeah. yeah, and then he went to animation too. Did, right. And did so, he do Jackie Chan Adventures? That, uh, oh, I, De- I know Jeff, Jeff, was Jeff Matsuda. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so but yeah, Extreme
1: Studios got yeah. It. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I mean, me and Dan are just sitting there talking about hip hop and. And all, it's all this random shit. Like, and I'm sitting here in the back of my mind. I'm just like, it's so crazy." Like, I own all this dude's comic books. He has no idea that I'm like screaming inside because I'm like, I used to read this dude's shit when I was 13, and now we're just talking like it's nothing. And that that happens to me all the time. Like every time I I was in San Diego, and I met the Marvel. Well, how booth. was
0: San Diego, by the way? It's fucking incredible, man. Got it.
1: It was it was it was bananas. Um. I'm sitting at the Marvel booth doing a signing, and I turn around, and Art Adams is sitting right next to me. Holy shit. Art Adams is... Dan Fragg is good. Right. Art Adams is a goddamn legend.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's God. God mode. Yeah, he's God mode shit. Right. And, I'm, and also,
1: dude doesn't give a fuck. Nah, nothing.
0: <laughs> Which and, is amazing. And he's still just as skilled. Some guys drop off after a certain amount of time. Nah, he but. gets better and better. Yeah, that's true.
1: And we're sitting there doing a signing... And he's asking me questions about me. And I'm like, who the fuck cares about me? <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about you. Exactly. Like, you're you're a big deal. Like, we can't talk like. Yeah. Can you sign my we, issue this, of uh,
0: ex-babies? Yeah, man.
1: And <laughs> I'm like sitting there. Like, I had to be like, yo, Art. I know this is kind of weird, but can we get a photo together real quick? Right. And he's like, yeah, of course, man. But, but like, it's like moments like that where you're just like, damn, it's like, you're like, life is crazy. You know? Right. Like things come full circle and you're like, so, you know, when you question, why am I going so hard for something that most people would have given up on 15 years ago? Uh, and then you have moments like that and you're just like, all right, you know, I, I guess, I guess this is worth it. Right. You know? Um, it's, it's, it's nuts, man. That's my life is weird like that, man. Like there's, there's like there, the lowest still happen, but the highs are so high that it all balances
0: out. Gotcha. Uh, I would love to ask about creative ownership and uh, the character that you helped create, Mosaic. Right. Yeah, which I think is uh, super cool, a super interesting character. Right. And um, also had a really interesting moment in Secret Empire as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And... um, so mosaic for the readers who don't know, like, and and let me know if I'm uh, misrepresenting it all, but he's a character who's a new, newly born inhuman right. that has the ability to inhabit um, people around him. So this character would essentially, um, uh, through his powers, become another individual. Right. So I, I assume that that. Has a lot of challenges from an artistic standpoint, a representational standpoint. Um, I just like to look, get a little bit of background on on that character and and the unique challenges of that, as well as um, stepping into the to the character creation world on that level.
1: Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Mosaic was, um, you know, when they brought me aboard. They had already created the the story for him, um, but not necessarily the look. Um, so Mosaic, he's an African-American dude, basketball player, basically like a Kobe Bryant or like LeBron James, like the, at the highest, the top, top ep- upper echelon of NBA players, five rings, all that shit, and super con- conceited and super cocky. And he loses his entire body to being an inhuman, and he basically becomes like almost like a ghost uh, who can inhabit the bodies of other people for up to 48 hours. And so after that 48 hour time period, he basically the, the host body uh consumes him and he he'll die. So he has to constantly jump from body to body. And the whole thing was interesting to me cuz it was like you know you got this guy whose entire livelihood is built around being like a physical specimen, like almost like a god in in today's like culture. And he loses the one thing that's most important to him, which is his body. and he has to live through the, the, the bodies of other people. every time he Johnson's with a different body, he knows all their secrets, he knows all of their skills, their abilities. if if they happen to have a mutant or, or any kind of mutant ability, he knows those as well. Um, and so
0: and he has access to their memories. He has
1: access to everything. Uh, and I just thought this was a one. It's it's one of those things where, in theory, every issue could be like a dope guest star, and I would right. get to draw like the entire Marvel like universe. quantum leap every single right. Time. It really is like quantum leap. Um, and so that that was a it offered an opportunity to basically be able to draw anything I want. Um, <clears throat> it didn't exactly turn out that way because it only lasted eight issues. Sure. Um, but I mean.
0: I feel the character had impact, though.
1: He certainly uh, the editors all loved him. Right. They they really stood behind the, the concept because it's a dope concept, and he's wound up in a couple other books since. Yeah. Um, and he's one of those characters that I feel like could you know if if they stood behind him and and handle it properly, he, he could really have an impact years to come. But it just depends on who's writing him and what they do with him.
0: Uh, In my opinion, it seems like he's a really interesting uh, pivot character from a storyline perspective, because he could game change the scenario uh, at the drop of a hat, kind of, because his power set is so, um, it's open to interpretation in an interesting way, you know what I mean? So, uh, his moment in Secret Empire, no spoilers, is really interesting, Yeah. and also, it's... I mean,
1: spoilers. My man takes over Magneto, which yeah, is
0: exactly which is pretty tough. Yeah, it was dope. That's a baller move. Yeah, it's baller, it's like baller. super baller move. Yeah, and um, well, I am curious about like how you feel about the life of a character beyond your hand being the one of the originators of you know a character's conception, right? Um, and also, uh, I think Mosaic is just very interesting as far as like. The current climate in the world sure. when it comes to representation of characters um within uh properties that could have a bigger life so right. you know this the idea of seeing someone that could be everyone and also um maybe this word isn't the best word for this context but to normalize seeing different types of people in a context greater than what we usually see right um, well, that's a whole that's a heavy thing.
1: yeah. Um, it's weird when so when you create a character for one of these companies, one you, you know it's obviously it's a great honor because it's like yo some of these characters have been around 60, 70 years right. Um, so one you're you're honored and you're you're just grateful to be a part of what will hopefully be like a rich legacy and history and all that stuff. On the other side, no matter what they do with it, you're in the back of your mind, it's like, this is like your child. So you're always just like, yeah, I wouldn't have done that or "That's <laughs> he wouldn't do that or right. like for a perfect example. Um, I didn't create this character for DC, but I had a large hand in kind of developing him. His name, this character's name it was Duke and okay. he was in this book I worked on called We Are Robin. Right. And so we did a whole, he was created by Scott Snyder in the regular Batman book and then we, we got to really design the hell out of him and we gave him this dope like red jacket and mate you know, was spent a lot of time looking at like hype beasts and like urban fashion and really right. trying to make all these different characters feel like they didn't look like traditional superheroes and like spandex and capes and all that shit. They were like normal street kids yep. who were who were a little bit little bit more Streetwise and in t- in tune with like urban culture,
0: right?
1: So we spent all this time. I, d- I mean, I spent time on my man's kicks because I was yeah. like, "Yo, kids these days have they gotta have the dope kicks, man." Absolutely. Like this, this was then you know, like the tight skinny jeans on and all that. Like we really spent time on this shit. And then uh, I see the character still around now. He became yeah. you know uh, Robin right. for Batman. But I saw they redesigned him. And I, the redesign, I was like, and this is no shots at anyone over there because I'm friends with a lot of people. But I sure was like, man, Duke wouldn't wear that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, Duke would not wear spandex pants. I'm like, <laughs> like he, he's basically me, man. Like, kids in the hood ain't wearing spandex pants. Like, right. that's just, that's not what he would do, man. You made him look like every other superhero. right? When, like, the whole point was to, like, they should feel a little different. That's why you brought me in. I'm from the kind of neighborhoods that this kid is from. His section of Gotham was basically Brooklyn. I know how kids in Brooklyn dress because I see them every day. I live in Brooklyn. Right. So when you redesign him and you put him in the generic superhero costume, I'm like, well, you, you're you kind of taking all the flavor out of him. And I was just, a, just another superhero. Yeah. So it's just like, you know you, and it's like it's not my character. So yeah. it's it's DC's character. Do with it as they please. But at the same time, you can't help but feel a certain amount of ownership. Like you're you're a parent. Yeah. Uh, because you care about these characters, and and you care what happens to them. Like they really feel like they're an extension of your own self. Uh, so you know you 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 love being that creator and and having a stake in it but at the same time you know it can hurt when you, you see your kid dating someone who you're like i don't, know I really, I don't really know if I, I i approve of of this person they set him up with like, i wouldn't i wouldn't do that i wouldn't you know
0: you know it's it's
1: just it and it is what it is it's like yeah. you, you have to check yourself and be like yo this. Duke's not real. Most right, things not right, real. Right, right, like right. it's just it's true. it just lines on paper yeah. or on a screen. Like at, get the yourself.
0: The, at the end of the day, though, I think it adds to the culture in a really interesting way. Yeah, you know, because I think you're addressing things that um, you're you're breaking new ground, and I, you know, I I I constantly wrestle with the idea of um, what what new culture in relation to the current zeitgeist is, and how to break apart from norms that we that we've established. For a long period of time, like in the design world, like I'm always thinking of like, how do I, how do I set apart what I'm doing and what my, my partners are doing apart from like a, like a Eurocentric system of design when there's so many other aspects that are just as valid, right? you know, so how to bring validity to new ideas or introduce that to an audience in a way that isn't shitty.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's it because at the end of the day, you know, and you know this as well as I do, like. You know, when when you are a minority in any kind of field, creative or otherwise, you know that I'm not gonna say there's a target on your back, but people treat you a little differently, and at some point you have to accept it and be like, "All right, that's fine. Maybe I'm not I'm not gonna be the standard, you know, white male who does this job, but that can also be an asset, uh, because." You, you're you coming from a different place and you have different ideas and your ideas are sometimes, I mean, like those ideas are important. We we add to the language of the culture. Right. And especially in this day and age where people like us, we come from hip hop. Yep. Hip hop is pop culture. We're the biggest, we are the biggest voice as far as pop culture. You know, you we work for MTV. You see it. Like yeah, yeah. we are the culture. We are American culture right now. Right, And I work with a lot of people that frankly don't know shit about it. And it's not, it's not a knock on them, but it's like, if you, if you really want to, if you want that kind of street cred, um, you got to come to people like us because I can speak that language better than a lot of these people can. And, and once once I realized that, I was like, you can treat me differently, but guess what? My difference is actually an asset to your company. And you need me just as much as I need you guys.
0: Do you see yourself as a, a cultural bridge or a cultural translator when it comes to certain aspects of what you do? Because I think yeah. of like, just like speaking to what you said, sometimes I think that um, there's just insight that that I have access to, just based on upbringing, just based on the stuff that I look at in my spare time. Yeah, you know,
1: I mean, it's and it's funny too, cause I never came into this to be that. Sure, I just wanted to do cool shit. Yeah, but over time, and you know, I, I would I would always you know read comic books or whatever, and I would see them draw ethnic characters and take. Either, either they would take all the ethnicity out of them and make them like a white character that just had like brown skin or whatever, or they do go to the other extreme and make them a straight up ethnic stereotype. Right. And at some point, I was just like, "It's I have to, I I have to fix that." I it's it's literally it's on me as a representative, like, which you know, take it or leave it. I have to be a representative for for black culture. Right. It's not something I asked for, but when you are a minority, you have to, you, whether you want it or not, you are representative for people and you have to be held to almost like a higher standard and you have to rep. And if you're not repping, then you're not helping the the cause, man. Like you, 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 whether you are, if you, if you're, gay or straight you're female you're asian you're black you're hispanic whatever you are on some level people are looking at you as you are this kind of thing right and that's not necessarily fair but you have to accept what it is and use that uh to show them that what we are or what we do or you know our existence is just as valid as yours and we have a certain point of view that's as valid as yours and you have to hear it you can't sweep us under the rug
0: are you ever afraid of being pigeonholed into that uh into that cause and into that mindset i mean i'm absolutely pigeonholed yeah <laughs> like yeah yeah okay so that said are are you um how do you you know break that um that cycle then um from a career perspective that's too.
1: that's um that's a good question that I struggle with every day because right. I absolutely see it as a thing where uh, d- diversity is a hot issue right now. Right. And, and everyone so, wants
0: to address it in some Everyone
1: way. thinks they're addressing it. Yep. Or they're trying in their way. And so, and I've seen it as a result. When I first came into comics, I was drawing stuff like Spider-Man and New Mutants and stuff that had nothing to do with diversity at all. It was just jobs a lot of the jobs I get offered these days they're all almost like most of them have to have like a black male lead as as the lead character I've seen it happen three or four jobs in a row and at some point it's almost become like a running joke where I'll get an email from someone and I'll be like I bet you I'm drawing a black male lead character I bet you (laughs) <laughs> and and nine times out of 10 it's something like that and it's it's like it's gratifying in a sense because you know work is work um but sometimes it does feel like uh yeah you're getting pigeonholed and it's like i as much as i understand the need for this I and mean, we've been talking about the last 10 minutes at the same yeah. time if you only have me drawing uh black male characters, it's like, well, what what the fuck is the point? It's right. like you brought me in here to do a job. I'm just as good as any of my white counterparts. Right. Why do they get to draw the spectrum? Right. And I get to draw one percent of the population. Right. When hello, I can I can draw white people, I can draw Asian people, I can I can draw anything. Yeah. So why am I only drawing this one specific thing?
0: How much of that do you think is um tokenism? Um, and i think tokenism can also be pro and con and can right. work for mo- mutual parties so i don't wanna <clears throat> i don't want to throw that term around lightly
1: yeah
0: um and how much of that do you think is a desire to enable an individual to tell a cultural story that other people aren't enabled to and i th- and I, I i suppose like also there's an element of even a diversity bubble in the mix too right
1: i mean well i think it's It's a little of column A and column B. I think it's tokenism that's coming from a genuinely good place. Yeah. Like I think they're, they're coming there. I give these companies credit to an extent because I think they are trying to be more diverse. Yeah. Sometimes it does feel like it's a little bit of a fad. Sure. Like, you know, like, they'll give diversity a chance, but if it doesn't work, they'll be quick to pull it right back in if right. the sales aren't there. Right. Um, and so I accept it, and I understand it, but I can't front in, you know, like s- some jobs I just won't take if I'm just like, no, oh, it's just the same old shit again. Like, right. I, I can't, I have to think about my long-term career, and I will rep in certain circumstances, but it's got to be good. Yeah, I'm not gonna just take a take a job because it has a black character in it. Right. If I think the job is whack, I don't give a fuck. I'm not drawing that shit. Totally. The the quality of the book has to come first, regardless of what the character is, and that's really what I'm looking at first. It's not the color of the skin of the characters. Is this is this gonna be a good book? Is this gonna be a book? then I'm going to want to draw because if I'm going to be working on something for the next year, the next two years, I better enjoy it. Um, And if I don't, then I'm going to be miserable three, four months in. Yeah. And that's way more important to me than just drawing black people, honestly.
0: Um, There's a lot of diversity, I think, behind the scenes in comics, especially when it comes to the artists and especially on the international scene. Sure. Um, I think, to everything that we've just been talking about, there's a limited amount of diversity on the pages, right? Right.
1: Um, There's also limited diversity in the guys calling the shots. There's a lot of artists that are international, Um, but the number of editors that I can think of or people in positions of power is very, very limited still to this day.
0: How many artists do you think are actually very conscious of of these things and representation in the way that you are um, and uh, does that concern you when there's less vocalness about that
1: um I think it's getting better just because uh, the volume based on the internet has been turned way up sure and it's you really
0: people almost want to hear it
1: yes and it's and it's the volumes turned up for which it can be good and bad. Um people are a lot more sensitive to the struggles of different people nowadays, which is which in general is 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 a hundred percent a good thing. Right. Um sometimes it can be a negative because you and I see it and I have these conversations with a lot of artists and writers, people are almost some people are just working scared nowadays. Like they're, they're almost afraid to tackle certain subjects cause they don't want to get flamed on the internet. Right. Cause if you, if you fuck up, uh, you're going to hear it. Like yeah. if, if you don't handle something, everyone's a critic, everyone's a critic. And, and like any person has a voice nowadays that didn't used to be a thing. Um, and so nowadays, like you, if, if you slip and I mean, people, people are human. People make mistakes. Uh, but if you slip up, man, you're gonna hear it. Like if if you draw a woman one percent too sexy, and oh, yeah. or like yeah. you know, you, yeah. you um uh, there's I just see it all the time. You know, someone you draw something or you, you use the wrong word to describe a certain group or whatever, and it could just be an. It's not malicious a lot of times. Sometimes yeah. you just maybe you just don't
0: know or oh. so. And also a lot of times an artist is hard to do what an artist does yeah. so when then the artist does what he or she does then you know the the context could just be completely like pulled out from under him
1: yeah it's 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 a little bit of a it's a tightrope these days you have to yeah. you you need to do a good job you have to hit your deadlines but you also have to be very sensitive to the, to the needs of people which really wasn't a thing 20-30 years ago right people, I mean 20-30 years ago realistically it was they only cared about black people and white people. That's real talk. At least in the comic book industry. They weren't they didn't give a fuck about anything else.
0: Yep. Yep. Now it's like the whole spectrum
1: is like, yo, you're accountable and we're gonna hold you accountable, so don't fuck up. Yeah. And which is the way it should be. Yes. Um but, you know, you still you're still dealing with a lot of artists who are mostly white males and uh, they might live in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Like, and they don't have, you know, like we live in New York where you deal, you are forced to deal with all types of different cultures and different people. You'll meet a hundred different cultures just walking down times, down Times Square. Right. So I feel like we are a lot more open and diverse in understanding of things. And, it's it's nothing to us but if you lived in the middle of nowhere it doesn't mean you're necessarily a racist if you've never dealt with uh someone from Honduras before sure or like you know if you've never met um, a transgender person before
0: sure sure
1: it's just you don't you don't know how to deal with that yeah and uh it's
0: it's a lack of familiarity
1: right um so yeah it's it's an interesting time and it's Mostly positive, I would say. Yeah. Um. But I think so. this, it's we're, we're an industry that is definitely going through growing pains and still trying to figure everything out. So you see these little things that happen where people are like, "Oh, you fucked up. Why'd you do that?" You know. Yeah.
0: Like, why? Yeah. Although there's some, I don't want to. Uh, I I want to call out specific instances, but I also don't. Where I'm just like, there's been some real blatant shit thrown out there.
1: Oh, that happens too. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just
0: like, I was like, yeah. yo, dog you know that that was a bad move. Yep. Yeah. And
1: so, yeah, sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes it's just like people throw stuff out there just to piss people off and get attention. Right. And, you know, uh, I guess that's valid as long as you know what's coming. Right. You know, if you, if you, that's the kind of game you want to play, just don't get mad when people call you out and you shit.
0: Right, 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 right. For sure. Uh, I want to, I want to ask you like a very practical question before we uh, start to wrap up. Sure. Um, what, what's your, what's your day to day like, uh, on a creation level and how do you maintain like that, the grueling schedule of, of being a comic book artist? Because it is tough and also you have to be very disciplined.
1: Yeah. The discipline is always a struggle because I'm not, I'm really not the most disciplined person. <laughs> and, um,
0: are you a night guy, morning guy?
1: Uh, I, I'm probably more of a night person because, um, daytime is very distracting, like straight up, uh, just, just yesterday, you know, I'm sitting there. I, I had, I had been in Boston all weekend. i I came back on the train. Uh, I, I got back to New York at six in the morning. I passed out for a couple hours. I got up, got my coffee, ready to work, ready to do my thing. And all of a sudden, here comes Trump
0: uh, talking about
1: doing his doing his Trumpiest. And he's saying just, you know, every day it's something yeah. like this, dude, right? And and you're just sitting there. And sometimes you're like so – you're just like, wow, that just happened. I know. And then you go on the internet or on Twitter, and all of your peoples are all just, like, just talking the talk. And it's yeah. like, yo, what the fuck just happened and next thing you know, it's three hours later and you've got nothing done. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and sometimes you just realize, sometimes you have to just turn off uh, your phone, turn off the internet and just get away just to get stuff done because there's so many distractions in the day. Um, and that's hard because a lot of your job, when you are a freelancer, you're, you are also your own brand manager, your own creative director. You do your own PR, and yep. that's all interlaced with the internet. I'm on the internet a lot during the day managing my brand. Right. Um, so when I get up in the morning, if I get up at 9 in the morning, from like 9 to 11, I'm straight up sending out emails, um, posting artwork on social media, telling people about projects I'm working on, um informing people about you know i hosted an event called Drink and draw where uh, you know artists come out once a month and i have to prep for that yeah um so it it may not be till like noon one o'clock till i actually put pencil to paper right um and then you just you're literally just going hard all day trying to balance that stuff while getting all your work done please all your editors uh please you know if you have a significant other like a girlfriend or whatever making sure that they don't feel too neglected because you know this is an all-encompassing job with not a lot of free time right um if you got conventions convention schedules all that stuff and somehow and trying to find some part of the day for yourself um it's it's not easy and it's and it's always like a very delicate dance trying to get Every trying to please everyone is not easy, and usually you piss someone off in the process, right? Um, but you know, you, you do what you can. I would say I probably work from noon to like seven, take a break,
0: like actual, like create, like active creative,
1: yes, thought. noon to seven, take a break, have some dinner, maybe you know, play some video games or whatever. Start up again around nine o'clock, and then I'll go again. To like 3 in the morning.
0: Holy fucking shit, man.
1: Yeah, I work. Dog, it's, it's not like a 9 to 5. No, I totally hear you. I totally hear you. Because I, I totally hear you. With the, the thing about a 9 to 5 is once you check out, you know, you leave your job and you go home. Yep, yep. With, with this kind of thing, it's like no matter what, that artwork is still staring there right in the corner looking at yeah. you like, yo, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and you gonna finish this shit or what yeah. man so Why like fucking up right now yeah like you yeah you you sitting there talking to your girl when you could be getting this deadline in and like straight in like it ain't so you just you you find yourself constantly working right um which on some levels it's something I enjoy doing so I don't I don't mind it but yeah there is a point when you're like you you do have to unplug and like um like some, like some of my favorite times of the day are when I just uh I just take walks like and I I turn my phone off or, or I'll take a run somewhere and I'm like I don't want to talk to anyone for like an hour.
0: Yeah.
1: Or I'll just ride the subway. Yeah. Or just like go to a movie by myself just to shut off all the noise and be in my own head for a little bit. Yeah. And not deal with other people's
0: shit. Uh what do you think it's going to take for uh as, as a creative, like, we're all looking to elevate, right? Either creatively, artistically, within, like, a certain career path or whatever. Like, what do you feel is the next elevation for you?
1: Um, I, I think the next step, well, you know, 17 years of my life, and I've been doing work and creating stuff for other people. Um, I think, really, like, the next challenge would be to create something myself that i have complete control over to where i'm not compromising or or bending for a big multi-million dollar corporation sure i I, it's really necessary for my sanity and for my long-term success to not have to depend on marvel or dc or anybody else for a paycheck yeah um if you create your own characters that's creating your own work and it's a it's a long term plan cuz you know that work up front you may not see it check for years yeah but you see the dividends of people that make it work i mean one of my best friends in the industry is robert kirkman who created the walking dead and my man is
0: he's doing pretty good
1: he's doing pretty good from me. i mean <laughs> he's about to hire me for a job man like <laughs> this is a dude who was the same age as me and we came from the same kind of background and now i'm working for him Right, and it's it's like I'm I'm always inspired by by his his hustle and his grind, and right. every day I'm just like I need to get that for myself. Yeah, so I'm always kind of in the back of my mind while I'm, I'm having fun and I'm doing
0: the amount of properties he's actually physically involved in is crazy.
1: Yeah, he he owns a lot of shit, yeah. and it's like yeah, yeah even I create... invincible is like amazing in and of itself. Invincible is amazing, and it's gone some hundred and. They it hit shoot 200 something like that he's yeah. he's got so many stories on lock that he can live off of that for the rest of it. just off the walking dead he's good for life
0: oh yeah for sure
1: and he owns way more property
0: him plus a uh, two or three generations yeah right what happened to the project with him and uh this is a bit of a diversion what happened to the project with him and robert leaf liefeld they're supposed to launch. It's supposed to be like Uber like Robert Liefeld.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, it happens. It happened, but th- it didn't complete, did it? They, I think they got about four or five issues out. And then as as creatives do, there they, were creative differences.
0: That's a, as creatives did as creatives did. Yeah.
1: And God, I mean, I, I'm friends with both those guys. They still love each other. They're still friends. Yeah. But it just, you know, the project ran its course and, and people, they each thought about things they wanted to do differently. Yeah. So They went their
0: ways. You know? Yep. 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 Um, So what, what are you working on now? I'd love to know what's happening. I know like when we talked a month ago, you had some projects in, down the pike that you couldn't actively talk about. But right. Uh, if it, if it has that status changed
1: or no? It's still like that. I mean, I literally, <laughs> for real, I just signed the contract yesterday. Got it. Got it. Got so it. the ink is still drying on that, but I do have a major project. Coming from from Kirkman's company.
0: Dope. Um, That sounds amazing.
1: Which is, it's cool, because I can't say anything about the project itself, but it is one of those things where I I will have some kind of ownership of. Wow. So, um, I'm excited about it, because I'll get to really flex myself creatively, and also, you know, if it goes places, it's it's a nice check for me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Between that, I also, I'm still the cover artists on Black from right. Black Mass Studios, which has got options.
0: For, those are some amazing covers, by the way.
1: That's, I want thank you. I, I feel like that's some of the some of the best stuff of my career. Yeah. Um.
0: I feel like a lot of people are talking about, like, those should have been nominated for an Eisner. Well, it should have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're
1: we're going we're gonna to keep it 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should have. No, the graphic was...
0: design sensibility of those is, is excellent, along with just, like, the... The quality of the craftsmanship.
1: Well, there was, yeah, I think with Black, it was one of those books where um, it also came from a very personal place where it's, it's not just about, it's a science fiction book, but we really tackled some heavy political issues that are, that are near and dear to me. Yeah. And so, as a result, I changed up my style a little bit because the, the content was a little heavier. Like, we dealt with real, real civil rights stuff Incarceration, you know, lynchings, uh, like real, real heavy stuff. And so my stuff is usually light and bouncy and cartoony. And sure, the, you know, this it's stuff flexible. is dark, and this is stuff that really meant a lot to me. And I think I put my heart and soul into that. And so that's a book where, I mean, when it got optioned, I was like, "That's that's dope, man," because I feel like this is a book
0: that that's better than award on, on some levels.
1: It, it is if it goes somewhere. An option, <laughs> yeah, an option, true, an option doesn't option. necessarily mean you know, it'll get turned into a movie. You're totally right. You're but, totally right about that. But, you know, that. if it does, you know, the I'll, I'll on the Eisner. If, yeah, uh, first step of many steps. Yeah, if I can get, you know, if I can do that Hollywood, you know, the opening night uh, joint, if I can be there in my tux, man, i I'll, I'll live with that. You know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, between those two books, I still do a lot of, a lot of work for Marvel and DC. I'm turning that stuff down a little bit just to focus on the new project. Sure. But I'm still I still have a a couple covers in the works from Marvel and D C and Lion Forge, and so I, I still like to keep my name out there. Um focus on one main project at the time and a couple two or three side joints just to keep my A D D at at bay, you know?
0: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I'm the same way actually. I'm always yeah. like trying to juggle multiple things, hence even this. Right. To be real. Right. Um. So, uh, you you have any more conventions coming up, and also like, where can these people find you? Where can the um, find you?
1: The last one for the year is New York Comic Con, oh, which right. will be in October.
0: I'm gonna be there Friday. I'll, I'll stop by.
1: You yes. have to stop by, man. It's it's like one of my favorite shows. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. I don't have a website anymore because it doesn't seem like it's all that important these days. Sure. But. I'm, I'm heavy on social media, so if you Google my name, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, um, any social platform you can think of, I'm, I'm on there. Just Google me. Um, I like to keep my fans informed and engaged. I'm always willing to talk to people and, you know, just be active, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm not hard to find, man.
0: Great. Awesome. Awesome. Kari, thank you so much, brother. Rich, it's fun to do this again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hopefully not a third anytime soon. Make sure
1: you press save on that file, uh, man. I'm
0: literally going to do that right now as I press stop. (laughs) And I'm going to back it up and save it. And then we will put it in the can. (laughs) Thanks, brother. All right, man. So that's about it for me. I want to thank Kari again for being so open and candid and uh, really generous with his time. I have to admit uh, that if you're if you're a good friend of mine, you probably know that I'm a really big comic book nerd uh, behind the scenes. So getting to do an episode like this is actually kind of you know one of those dream come true scenarios, especially with someone who I really respect and I consider a friend. So that was really cool. And before we get out of here, I want to give a shout out to Des Jin, uh Ben Sound on music. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you want to follow me on social media, it's just rich underscore T-U on Instagram, Twitter, yada, yada, yada. So that's about it. And next week, uh, come back again, we're going to have Christine Sinecki. Uh, who is a good friend i've known her for a long time and also she is a rockette uh one of the legendary rockettes over in radio city music hall so we have a really good conversation and if you want some insight into into what it takes to be in that world uh then definitely stay in tune for next week so that's about it for first generation burden have a good one bye